Acts chapter 9, I want to talk to you about something that you may not have heard in a while, and I think it's imperative that we cover it. I don't have to tell you our world's changing, and it's happening rapidly. The battle lines, ladies and gentlemen, are more clearly defined each passing day. Don't kid yourself. We in this hour are marching toward an ultimate calamity. We are marching toward a certain planned prophesied day. Our Lord instructed us that the hearts of evil men, because of sin, will wax worse. But he also says that while believers will march toward redemption, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking up because I know redemption is just around the corner. How many of you are looking for the king to return? I really am. <laughs> I believe a good and necessary question faces us today in 2021. So let me ask it as plainly as I can. What should be the position of the believer? What should be the mindset of we who are truly twice born? I don't mean religiosity. I don't mean, I don't mean religious people. I don't mean people that confess to be Christians who know nothing about it. I see the days, as we see these days in the church age coming to a close, what is our place? If you're familiar with Acts chapter 9, Saul was an educated politician, a great, powerful man in his day. He was taught by Gamaliel, and he was involved in the Sanhedrin, which was the leadership of the Jewish court. Actually, this man, Saul, legally through the systems of law, actually arrested and persecuted, even jailed and saw that Christians were destroyed. This man was a man who was driven to make things happen. Saul of Tarsus, we know him. One day, en route to do the very thing to destroy Christians, Jesus got his attention. It's in Acts 9. And Saul was so astounded, we'll read it in a minute, the scripture says this, this valiant, powerful, courageous man began to tremble. He was astounded. And his, we'll read it in a second. He goes, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to tell you this was a major event in this man's life, a major conversion. Look with me in Acts 9. I'm going to pick the story up. He has met with the disciples, and he has confessed Christ, but notice something in verse 20 of chapter 9. Immediately, Saul, it says, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul, watch this, increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. I think sometimes theologically we read by things that do not catch the, the gravity of it. So let me make it very clear. The very first thing that Saul did following the Damascus experience 
was to proclaim the good news, which is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing he did. I want to share with you, this was a 180 change in his life. A 180 change. This was a paradoxical change. It was a radical departure from his previous way of living. It was an entirely different concept of the previous things he believed. Something changed this zealot dramatically. Even his name, Saul of Tarsus, became Paul the Apostle. And when he was changed, with great boldness, Paul declared the message of salvation, the first thing he did. And we're taught to witness, but I want to go beyond that today. Paul testified and witnessed the message of the power of the gospel. And he did, as he did so, his ministry grew, but hear it, so did the threats and the physical abuse that he encountered because he dared to take this gospel to the lost. Yet, watch this, difficult circumstances, and we know of some. How many of you know this COVID thing isn't a, isn't a fun thing? And the difficult circumstances seem to intensify Paul's zeal in making Christ known rather than pull him in a neutral position. Whether he was before an intellectual Greek crowd, which he was many times, or whether he was viewed by spiteful Jews, whether he was in a crowd that was a crowd of acceptance or a crowd of rejection, Paul now openly expressed his faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want to make an observation. We are not all like the apostle when it comes to sharing our faith. Yet, I want to declare something to you. Well, pastor, I'm not Paul the apostle. This I understand. But how many, just be still, don't raise your hand. I just want to know how many of you have been born again. And if you've been born again, you may not be like Paul in your witness, but I want to share something about the gospel. Yet, we are called to the same task. As a matter of fact, we are commanded to the same task. I think we need to let that set in on us a minute. We are not only, this wasn't a divine suggestion. And let me just make another observation. Now 2,000 plus years later, history is on our side. I want you to know Paul didn't have all this written when he met the Lord. He wrote most of the new covenant part of the testament under the inspiration of the Spirit. But we, here we are 2,000 years plus later have that on our side, and now with the written word at our aid, it seems our witness should be stronger than ever. How many of you understand the math? I think our witness should be as strong, if not stronger, than Paul the Apostles. Even the command. But I fear that it's not, and I wonder why. And I'm going to try to talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. As Christians, you and I had better be aware of what's going on in our society. There is today great debate, even among at least so-called Christians, about the culture war. And I'm not going to get into that. I'm just telling you. 
that there are forces spawned out of hell and the devil that are after our children and we wonder why we want a discipleship program and we do the best we can to make that happen. We had better be successful. A great debate about the culture wars and where we should stand in our efforts to defend the righteous precepts of the Word of God. Some Christians in this day have concluded that Americans no longer care about right and wrong and that believers should keep their belief to themselves. But Christian isolationism is not the answer as we see the end approaching. Amen? Christian isolationism is a departure from a historic posture of the church for over 2,000 years. Through the ages since the Christ and since Calvary, godly leaders have confronted wicked regimes and their policies, and you and I have no less obligation than to do that today. I didn't hear that amen. We have no less obligation Saints, the Christian voice heard outside this church had better not fail. Our political systems does not belong exclusively to those with whom we disagree. Let me say it the other way. It's not for just those who disagree with us. The way democracy, listen, young people, the way democracy, by the way, the United States government is not a democracy. It's a republic with a democratic form of government, and you need to know the difference. Please know the difference if you don't. Adults, mom, dad, teach these young people, we are not a democracy. We have a democratic form of government, but we are a republic. You know what that means? That means it's supposed to be controlled by the people. <laughs> it, it, our democracy works as a representative form of government that should involve every citizen. Lincoln himself said that our government was designed of the people, by the people, for the people. And that includes people of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We need to determine that this society today will not silence our testimony. Some major Christian values hang in the balance as I speak this morning. Purity, reverence for life, thank God for the state of Texas. Thank God for the state of Texas and Oklahoma. Thank God for it. What is it going to take to excite us? My son was in the Capitol a week ago Friday. When all that came down, you should have. It's amazing. But those values are hanging. What about just love of God? What about anything that has to do with any moral code that keeps us from barnyard behavior? 
I knew you, Pastor, you're just too plain. Yes, I am. It's time to be. Even preaching of the gospel is a value that's in the waking today because they're trying to silence us. And all are threatening. And I tell you and declare this to you, we are custodians of this book. We are stewards of this message. Amen. Years ago, came across us. The 20th president of the United States by the name of James Garfield. He wrote this in 1877. Listen to it. It almost sounds today like prophecy. Listen, now more than ever before, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. This is 1877, folks. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these in the national legislature. If the next centennial does not find us a great nation, it will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation did not aid in controlling the political process. End of story. Well, Pastor, I just don't think that the church ought to get involved in politics. Tell that to Paul the Apostle. So where does this generation stand? What about the believers today? And speaking boldly, let me speak to the church not only here but across this globe. I want to say again, we have no less obligation than any time in church history. And I want to declare to you that our Christ, our King, our Savior has not sounded retreat. As a matter of fact, the command says report for duty. I'm telling you, you cannot put this off. You will not be in good standing and be, and, and be obedient to the Lord if you silence your witness today. I'm placing that obligation spiritually upon us in a greater, much greater way. You will be responsible for your witness. But why? Well, comes a question, great question. What is the key to Paul's daring witness? Question comes, why do we, why do we hesitate? What is, what is about us now? Why, why are we here in this almost stalemate position? First, I want to say that I'm persuaded. It is not because we do not love God, because I want you to know there are a lot of people who are saved that love God. Secondly, I'm persuaded it is not because we fear rejection, but I will tell you this, it intimidates us powerfully. I'm convinced it is because we do not truly understand this phrase that we've heard thousands of times, I'm convinced it because we do not understand the true power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul 
Paul felt it a duty, ladies and gentlemen, to the Greek and the barbarian. He felt it an absolute duty to the wise and to the foolish. You can read it in Romans 1 and 14. And two verses later in verse 16, he made this statement. Paul said, I am not ashamed. Listen, this is Sanhedrin. This is the governing rulership of the Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. And we read past it and we miss it. Young people, mom and dad, ladies and gentlemen, generation 2021, Paul's sense of duty and Paul's enthusiasm and Paul's inner spirit drive came from the fact of this. Saul, who we know as Paul, never got over what happened to him on that Damascus road. And Paul knew what he had been, and he knew what he had become. Christ had totally revolutionized his life. Even Christians were amazed at the difference in Saul, Paul, and that's missing today. There are so many people who say, I'm a Christian, I believe, and know nothing of genuine, the power of a changed life. Paul knew it. And at this point, we fail to grasp, the, I think, the power of the gospel. It has been so watered down. And even in the behavior of Christians, we become so much like the world. There's very little difference. And I'll take you back to Genesis where it says God had marked a difference between that which is holy and that which is vile. Ladies and gentlemen, our lives are supposed to be pure and holy and clean and righteous, and they're supposed to be living epistles in front of a world that has rejected this message. Now say amen. It is true. There's as many divorces in Christianity now as there is in the world. Our lives don't mark a great difference anymore. And I'm not talking about being so far out that people think we're, we're fanatics. Sometimes I think if we can't get a balance, Satan will take us to the far extremity. And people have a lot of zeal, but sometimes they don't use wisdom. There's always a balance. So what is this gospel? Let me hurry. It is the death. By the way, this is not just in the spirit realm. This is in the natural realm. It is the death the actual burial, and the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, let me just turn to it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read chapter 10. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, that action, that completed work was the sacrificial, life, death, atoning, all-sufficient work of God's Son for you and for me. And the message today is this. When a person responds to that message with a God-given faith, he and she, young or old, 
experienced, hear me world, hear me just religious people, hear me all kinds of other small serving gods. When you respond to the Yahweh, to the creator, when you respond to Jehovah, the covenant God, when you respond to the God of all creation in faith, you experience a supernatural transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And you experience freedom from bondage of a dominion of Satan that will use your life and when you're finished will totally destroy you. And you will experience a liberty and a joy as the second birth in your soul, mind, body, and spirit as a no-soul, born-again child of the living God. And it will affect you from that moment on. We've been too silent about it. We've missed it. We've let it go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a new creation. I had a song come in my mind this morning, and it was, it was from the Hensons, I believe. It goes, what was it, Linda? I forgot. It was... Uh, I won't walk without Jesus. I won't talk without Jesus. I won't live another day as I did before. Listen, when you're truly born again, you cannot live like you used to live. And I'm going to draw a line today. I want to tell you, if you still live like you used to live, you better check your, your relation out. If you don't have a hunger for God and you don't have a drive to, to go against disobedience and be righteous and do that which is right, I, I, I ask you, I challenge you, do you genuinely know God as a saving, powerful, life-changing God? I was going to be real cool this morning. I just blew it. This Savior changed my life. This Savior changed my destiny. This Savior took everything he had and poured it out. He even said, no man takes it from me. I lay it down that I might be saved. And this spirit of this world is doing everything it can to intimidate you and me and silence us. Listen, when you come to this God, you began with a new nature. You head for a new destiny. You have a new purpose. And that is the message of the believer in 2021 as we approach the coming of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that same power that took us from death to life can take anybody that does not know this God from death death to life. And you and I are the messengers. We are responsible for that message. Listen, this is not just some physiological, it's not some psychological, it's not even just a, can I say even a soul has changed. This changes your spirit. This changes the very core of what you are. It's a miraculous change. I didn't know what I would see when I... Surrendered to the call of God upon my life. I had no idea. I was a Christian kid raised in a church. I knew the Lord and had a great Christian family and all of that. I just thought it was delight. But I didn't realize when the Lord called me to preach. I didn't realize. But I've seen it. This salvation, this power of this gospel. I've seen it take years off of the countenance of people who were in darkness. I've seen it put smiles on people whose lifestyle was anything but something pleasurable. I've seen it break the bondage of controlling habits of drugs and alcohol and sex and anything you can imagine. I've seen it 
give a wife and kids a new husband and a new dad. I've seen it give an employer a new employee. I've seen it give Satan one firebrand taken out of the fire who now rivals everything Satan says. Saints, unbelievers, online, in the sanctuary, there is power in this gospel message to change your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, church, the Holy Spirit anoints this gospel. Believers, Christ has commanded us to share it. And I want to declare to you who are not believers, those of you who say, oh, it's just an old book, it's archaic. Let me tell you, when the last soul is gone, this book will remain forever because it's written in heaven. This gospel, hear me, is not only sufficient to save me from the penalty of sin, but it is also the only power that liberates humanity from the hostile rule over emotions and minds and wills and demon possession. The devil can't be cast out by devils, but he sure knows the authority of the eternal Christ. <laughs> when he was approached on the way, the demons, he addressed them and they said, Jesus, they knew his name, Son of God. They knew his sacrifice. They knew his power. And they said, have you come to torment us before? To Listen, they know their destiny and they know who has it in his mouth. And it's coming. The issue today is what side are you on? And are we going to say it? Wow. The gospel. Salvation. Listen to it. Gave me a new record in heaven. It put my name in crimson red in the book, in the throne room. And no devil, demon, or no warrior, nobody can slip in at night to the records of heaven and take my name out of it. This gospel is also the only power that liberates humanity from a hostile rule in mind, heart, soul, and body. I have a new record in heaven, clean record. And here's the other part. I have a new heart on earth. For you out there that say this Bible is archaic and it's no good and you think we're fanatical or you think we're out of our mind, I tell you what, I won't deny that there's pleasure in the sin season. Satan has a lot to offer. A lot of glitter, materialism, lots of pleasures, the nightlife, the sports cars, the big popularity, the power and all that. But when it's all said and done, let me tell you this, he will add sorrow to it. He will add sorrow you can never imagine to it. The difference is if you follow the Lord, he has blessings. Some of you are my great blessings. I love you dearly. 
You're the sheep that God has given me charge over, and I love you dearly. You are great blessings to me, but I want to tell you all the blessings of the book and the pastor, everything I have that God has blessed me with is nothing compared to, to what I'm going to have in the kingdom. But watch this. I have had blessing and blessing and blessing from the Lord, and there's never one time been any sorrow added to it. I just want to tell you in simple terms, it pays to live for this God I serve. I used to sing a song. If you don't know it, I'm off my notes. <laughs> I used to sing a song. Stop just a minute, Henry. I'm in the wrong key. It goes something like this. He touched me. He touched me. And now I am no longer the same. And you're glad, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you for saying amen. That's right. <laughs> he touched me. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me. I've been made whole. That's why people think we're fanatics. He tore the veil when he came out of the grave from the top to the bottom, Scripture says, so man couldn't tear it. By the way, it's some 18 inches thick with hides. If you think that man could tear it, the Scripture says a team of mules couldn't tear it. That was the provision for God. Now I don't have to go through any earthly priest. I go directly to the Father. It's changed it all. It changed it all. It changed everything. Listen, I now cry, Abba, Father. And that's Daddy. I have a relationship with him. Several years ago, I said, made that statement and I, I said, I call him Daddy God. I didn't mean to upset somebody, but somebody said, oh, you've totally degraded God. No, let me tell you what I have. I have a God that sits holy and high and he's all powerful and with just a thought he could destroy all creation. But here's the side I mean when I can say Daddy God, I'm a member of the family and I can go in and talk to my heavenly father and say, Dad, I have relationship with him. It's not religion. It's not theology. It's knowing God. So let me finish. There's power for your daily living. There's power for strength in every task in life. And only the gospel has the power to reach the heart to take you through it all. There are thousands and thousands, if not millions of people today who outwardly, their appearance looks like they're okay. And I may be speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of you when you view this online. On the outside, you may look good. On the outside, it may look like you, got, you have life together. But I'm gonna tell you, inside, there's a struggle for meaning. Truthfully, inside, there's a titanic struggle for purpose. There's a titanic struggle for freedom. And that can never be won apart from receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. My cry today is this. It's not my personality, nor yours. 
It's not anything that we could boast of any kind of perfection. It is not any success that we boast. If we do, it's only in Christ. But it is our responsibility to place this gospel in the lives of struggling, hell-bound hearts and lives of young people and children and adults till the Lord comes. Did I just repeat your sermon last week, John? I didn't think about that. So the Lord invites us to his table to remember. I think you've been served. If you have not been served when you entered, if you would like to, just raise your hand. We'll be glad to see that right here. Gentlemen, if you will, help us. I had the privilege of having communion this morning with the all the ABI people, all the cameramen, audio, video, iMag, and all the singers, musicians. Precious time. I want us to come to the table this morning remembering ladies and gentlemen I I believe that our task is the most important task on planet earth years ago went had a man visit the church great musician living for the enemy life was in shambles thought he was on top of the world but he came that morning and about two weeks later I felt like the Lord speak to me to go speak to him and I did on a Saturday and I said, don't go to the club and play. Don't go be involved in all that. You should be doing what you do for the Lord. And found out he used to play for several gospel people. If I named their names, many of you would know it. And I said, he said, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to walk out of here and go with me. And in the morning, you're going to start playing for the Lord. He said, he used to play for the Lord. And I said, Satan has torn you apart. He said, Preacher, are you kidding me? Look at this. You know what he did? You know what he pointed to? This is how the world, this is their value system. And if you're, if you're not a believer today, understand this. He showed me a probably at that time $10,000, $12,000 diamond studded, ruby studded Rolex presidential watch. And he said, Look at this. The owner of this place happened to be a lady, gave me this for playing. He said, what can, what can you give me? And I said, I can give you an opportunity, an opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. And he said, preacher, you're crazy. Get out of here. And he rejected me and left. Listen, don't worry about rejection. It's not you they're rejecting. It's the Christ. Don't worry about that. Don't let the power of this gospel be missing in someone's life because you have an insecurity we're called to witness and listen you don't have to be a theologian all you have to do is tell what the Lord's done for you that's all you have to do 
because that's what you know. That man, that was late at night on Saturday. That man the next morning came to church. When I gave the invitation, that great, big, talented, talented guy, he probably weighed close to 300 pounds, but he was just a big guy. He got up, walked to the altar, and the power of the gospel has him serving God to this day. That's been 35, six years ago. This man laid down rhythm tracks in Nashville, traveled with gospel singers, but Satan got him. Let me tell you something. God wants to pull a firebrand out of the fire by your witness too. There's somebody you know. Be kind. Be gentle. Speak to them. Say, I'm telling you this because I love your soul. And we know what we believe is real. It's real. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, this is your prayer. Father, forgive me. If you're online, Father, forgive me. I place my life in the hands of the Christ. Take my sin and wash them with a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, the sinners can plunge beneath its flood and lose all their guilty state. Save me, Lord, redeem me. Birth me a second time that I know you as my Lord and Savior and me as your redeemed child. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, online, push, that's me. And we'll contact you. You can contact us and follow up on your commitment to the Lord.